Jewish audio on Kaban.org. Rambam, Mishnah Torah, Hilchas Kilayim, the laws of mixed species. And today, as we study chapter 10, <clears throat> we conclude the laws of Kilayim. So it's another accomplishment in our journey through Rambam. Pedakasiri, chapter 10, Aleph 1. Ein isur bichli or bichile begodim. When we talk about the prohibition against mixing fabrics in clothing, <coughs> there's only one category of prohibition. And that is elatsemer upishtin bilvat. Only wool and linen. And when we use the word wool without any adjective, we mean sheep's wool. So that's the prohibition. Sheep's wool and linen. Shenemar, as the verse says, Do not wear shatnes, which stands for a mixture of varying fabrics, and then it specifies Tzemer, upishtim yachad, wool and linen together. So that is the definition that when we talk about shatnes, a mixture of different fabrics, we talk about wool and linen. Now immediately, <coughs> please forgive me, I'm fighting a cold today. I'm just going to have some tea. I made a bracha earlier. Now immediately, the Rambam points out something. That v'yesh b'chrachei hayom, that in the big cities adjacent to the sea, in seaports, they have k'meitzember, something that looks like wool, al ho'avonim, which really grows on rock formation, shebiyam ha'melech in the Mediterranean Sea. Often the Rambam uses the word Yam HaMelach and it refers to the Salt Sea. Sometimes he uses it referring to the Mediterranean Sea as here. Tab Nisei, this particular wool or wool-like substance that grows on stony substance. Tab Nisei, its look, its appearance is Kitab Hazav. It looks like gold. Vorach B'Yeser, it's extremely soft. Vechelech Shemei, and the name of this is called Kelech. That's the name of this substance. So therefore, this substance, Ve'osur Imapishton, is forbidden to be used with linen. Why? Because it looks so much like wool, even though you know it's not wool and I know it's not wool. It's forbidden because of what people might think as the eye sees it. Because it is so similar to sheep's wool, even though it grows on rocky formations in the Mediterranean Sea and has nothing to do with the sheep. And that's the rabbinic injunction of Maris Ayin, of what is the onlooker going to think. Similarly speaking, on the other side of the coin, v'chein hashiroyim, there's something called shiroyim. 
Vehakelch, silk, and this substance, Asudin are forbidden, because of the appearance which it creates, because many people will confuse silk with linen. Now he says here in the notes that although silk resembles linen, but nowadays there is so much silk available that people know silk, and they know the difference between silk and linen, so silk is not is a non-issue today. This is what he brings down from the commentaries. Now, again, what wool do we speak of? Sheep's wool. Bays to Rochel when a you, a female sheep, Bas Ais, is born to a she-goat. We learned earlier about crossbreeding, so sheep and goats could be crossbred. So if the female sheep's mother is a goat, is this considered wool? Or is it considered goat's hair? <coughs> goat's hair is also a material. It's not a forbidden substance in the laws of Shatnes. Tzamra ain lake and all of Mishum Kloyim. There is no possible application of lashes due to the transgression of mixed fabrics. Because we're not talking about goats here. And this sheep's mother was a goat. Aval, however, rabbinically, it is forbidden rabbinically, because it looks like wool. <clears throat> and that's again the modest ayin decree. Now he goes on to say, what kind of mixture do we need to affect the prohibition? Any type of connection whatsoever. Of wool and linen, constitutes biblical kalayim. Ketzad, for example. When wool and linen were mixed together, or were combed together, and were made into a smooth mass, all of these forms of mixture constitute kilayim. What if they were mixed and combed as one? And then a garment was woven from this combed fabric. This is kilayim. So we're not particular as to exactly how the mixture comes about. If there's a mixture and it results in a garment, it is forbidden. Now he goes on to say... What if somebody sews a woolen garment onto a flax garment, onto a linen garment? Even if he sews them with silk. Or, different scenario. He sewed a woolen garment with linen thread. A beget pishtim bechutetzemer. Or a woolen threads with linen threads, a kosher or he tied them together or braided them together, even if he placed wool and linen in a sack 
and a box or something like that, a basket, and he tied them together. This is Kloyim. Even if he tied a braid of wool with a braid of linen, even though there's a strap of leather in between, and so also, if he folded over wool and linen fabric together and tied them, all of the above are considered transgressing the commandment of Kloyim. Shenamar, it says, Tzemer upishtim yachta, wool and linen together. Mikomakim, any way they come together, they're considered together. Kimishinasachet, because they became one. Nasa, so we're talking about weaving and processing and even tying and using a little bit of thread and so on and so forth. By the way, when he talks about earlier, about taking a, a woolen garment and sewing it with linen threads. One of the common sources of shatnes today is if you have an expensive suit or an expensive women's suit, very often the buttons are sewn with linen threads or they place linen in the collar. The choices are linen or a canvas-like material. So sewing with a thread of linen, is one of the common sources of shatnes today. Dalid, ominayin, what is the source? Shekoli surun elu, that all of these prohibitions, shelter are biblical and not rabbinic. The answer is, it's very simple. We learn this from tzitzis. Sharehut tzachakos of lahater kilayim, betzitzis, because the Torah tells us explicitly <coughs> that kilayim, mixed fabrics, are permissible if need be. In the wearing of tzitzis. According to Torah law, on a linen garment, the white strands of tzitzis should be, could be, and should be made from linen. So that's not shotness. Whereas the tcheles, the the sky blue threads, should be made and must be made from wool dyed with the color chilozon. So you have a linen garment with wool tchelas. So the Torah has to tell us that kilayim, the mixed fabrics of wool and linen, are permissible with tzitzis. As we learn from the tradition, what do we learn? These two verses are juxtaposed one to another. The only reason the portion of kilayim is adjacent to the portion of tzitzis Lahatir kilayim betzitzis is to permit the usage of kilayim with tzitzis. Vatzitzis, and how do we create tzitzis? They're only done by tying. Chutin kshurim bilvadein. Tzitzis is the sum total of a bunch of knots and twirls. Miklal shechibur if the Torah has to tell us that it's permissible with tzitzis, then from this we deduce that it's forbidden that this is a definition of kilayim in a non-tzitzis situation. Because the Torah would never exclude something that's merely prohibited rabbinically. So this is the, the proof positive that even tying constitutes shatnas. Now, with many, if not all, prohibition, prohibitions, there is a minimum. Minimum size. Hakilayim, what's the minimum volume of kilayim, of mixed fabrics, and its prohibition? Eilo shir. He says there is no minimum. 
Even a tiny thread of wool, in a massive garment of linen, or a tiny thread of linen, in a massive garment of wool, so that is an important law. One thread can ruin your whole day. And we're soon going to learn an interesting scenario. What if somebody has one thread and then he lost it? He can't find it. He can't identify it in a large garment. What do you do? What if there is a mixture where the threads a person is using is made of a combination of sheep's wool and camel hair. Which means every hair, every thread is combined of sheep's wool and camel hair. And he defines it here. Where the wool and the linen were mixed together and thread was made from them. So it's not some threads of wool, some threads of linen. I'm sorry. The wool and the camel here was mixed together. So it's not some threads of wool and some threads of camel here. Every thread is a mixture of both. If at least half is wool, is sheep's hair, and less than half is camel hair, then it's all considered wool. Which means that 50%, 50%, <coughs> For our purposes, it's all wool. And therefore, if this mixture of wool and camel here is now mixed with linen, it's considered a forbidden substance. However, if more than 50%, 50.1% of this mixture is camel here, and less than 50% is wool, or goat's hair, or sheep's hair, which is wool, Mutter, it is permissible now, to mix it with flax. Why? Because this, these threads, this material is a mixture of camel hair and wool, and it's more camel hair than wool, and every thread is a mixture. <clears throat> because being that it's more than 50% camel hair, it takes on the identity of camel hair. Now, what about the fact that there's 49% plus of wool? Because there are no threads of wool. The idea of a thread of wool is no longer here. It's a mixed process and more camel here than wool. Therefore, this leads us to believe that when sheep's hides, meaning leather from sheep, skin, is used to make garments, even though they are sewn with flax, and there must be at least a little wool on it. We're talking they're permissible. We're not concerned with a thread of wool here and there. Even though they're sewn with linen, because basically what we have here is a sheep's hide, and we're not talking about sheep's hair, which is wool. And similarly speaking, hakanbeis, kanbeis is often translated as canvas, or here he translates it as hemp. Nowadays, 
the collar of an expensive garment will either be made with linen or with canvas. Those are the two choices. So, canvas and, or, or hemp and linen, which were mixed one with another. If it's mostly canvas, then it may be woven with threads of wool, because again, every thread is more canvas. If it was half and half, also the same principle before as with wool and camels here. If somebody makes a garment entirely out of camels here, a tzemer arnovim or rabbit wool, a canvas or hemp or canvas, and then he weaves in one strand of wool on one end of it. And one strand of linen on the other end. Is this a forbidden fabric? You bet. This is forbidden, even though it's just one thread on one end, one thread on the other end, never the twain shall meet. Doesn't matter. We did that, okay. Yud. Beged tzemer shenifram. When a woolen garment becomes torn, it is permissible to join it together with threads of linen, if that's the only thing he has sitting in front of him, and he can tie it, but he should certainly not sew them together. He's just temporarily binding them together with a linen piece of material. A person can wear woolen garments and linen garments, one on top of the other, and tie them with a belt around from the outside, meaning it's not one garment with two fabrics. He's wearing two garments, and he's binding them together with a belt. As long as he doesn't tie them between his shoulders, because then the combination becomes a garment. So it's just one garment with another garment covered with a tie. That's not a problem. Yud Beis 12, Chloe Begodim. What about forbidden fabrics of woolen linen? I understand I can't wear them, but can I manufacture them? Can I do business with them? It is permissible to make them, to manufacture them, and it is permissible to sell them. The prohibition is only to wear them. Or another prohibition is to cover oneself with them. Like a blanket. One may not use shotness as a blanket. The verse says, Lay silbash shotness. Do not wear shotness. So that is the source that we're talking about garments. And another verse says, Layale olecha shall not come upon you. That is the source that is also includes a blanket type thing. Coming upon you, which is like wearing it. Also, it is forbidden. but Aliyah, coming upon one. She'ain derech levisha, which is not wearing, again, for example. Ohel, a tent, shukalayim. May I sit in a tent made out of a mixed fabrics of wool and linen? Absolutely. Mutalei we can sit under it because you're not wearing it. Unless you decide to wear a tent. mutter So also by Torah law, it is permissible and 
Note the word Torah law, lay shape to sit on matzoi shoklayim on bedspreads of forbidden fabric mixtures. Shenamar, it says, Layala all of it shall not come upon or alecha upon you, but you may come upon it. You may put it under you. When we give it a say from however rabbinically, it is forbidden. Even ten spreads, one on top of the other. And the lowest one of the ten. The bottom one is this mixed fabric mixture, which is prohibited. We may not even sit on the top one. Perhaps... A strand of kalayim will become wound around one's flesh, garment-like. That's a rabbinic decree. Now he says, When does this apply that it's forbidden to sit on a bedspread, even if there are ten, and only the bottom one is forbidden? Birakin, with soft fabric. Like curtains and sheets. But the caution, tough Fabrics, firm fabrics, which can't be wound, like, for example, pillows and cushions. One may certainly sit and lean upon them, even though they are shotless. As long as the flesh does not touch them, there's, your clothing separates you from these pillows and cushions. So also a drape made out of a forbidden mixture of material. If it was a soft fabric, it's forbidden. Perhaps the server who's serving in the dining room where that drape is will lean upon it and it'll enter upon his, it'll come upon his flesh and the server is Jewish and forbidden to do that. But if it was a tough Hard fabric, where you can't even fold it, muteris, it's permissible. Tesvav mino shu bein a shoe which is made out of kalayim and has no heel, and the commentary says something like our modern day slipper, muter lelovshe, it may be worn. She'er haregel kashahu, why? Because the skin of the foot is a very coarse skin, and the skin of the bottom of the foot doesn't derive pleasure like the rest of the body, and therefore it's not like you're deriving pleasure from this slipper of shatnes. That's the interpretation that I believe is what he's saying here. Nevertheless, one should be careful. What about those who sew garments of shatnes? As you're working with it, you drape it upon you. They may sew normally. As long as they don't intend when it's hot to shade themselves with this fabric from the heat, and the cold rainy season, from the rain, but the more meticulously observant, will only sow shotness, leaning the material on the ground, not upon themselves. Similarly speaking, those who sell garments. If you ever notice, and I have childhood memories of driving through the garment center in Manhattan, people are schlepping garments on their back and they're going and everybody's schlepping something. 10, 15, 20 suits and dresses. So are you not wearing the shatnas when you're schlepping all these garments on you? 
So he says, it's not a problem. They can sell it normally. As long as they don't intend that this shade them from the sun. When they have these things on their shoulders, and they shouldn't have intent in the cold, rainy weather to warm up. However, the meticulously observant will take a stick, a pole, and hang them over the pole rather than over themselves. I guess in modern terminology, can you use a potholder made out of cloyim? He says, a person should not pick up a hot egg with a garment of cloyim. Because he's enjoying the heat of the egg with this cloyim. Similarly speaking. So, the garment bringing pleasure to you is the litmus test. A person should not even put on temporary Garments of climb, even on top of ten other garments, where he doesn't benefit from it. And here he brings a classical example. Commentaries say there are certain custom offices at the border where if you're bringing something in packaged, you have to declare it. But if you're wearing it, you don't have to declare it. It's your clothing. You don't have to declare your clothing. So this guy puts on a lot of clothing because he doesn't have to declare it. You're not even allowed to put this shot, this clothing on top of ten other garments to avoid, to avoid the taxes because you're wearing it. If he did it, he is liable to receive lashes because it's an intentional violation even though he's not benefiting from the warmth or cooling effect of the garment. In the notes here, he talks about when it's permissible to try to evade taxes, when it's not, but that's a whole different set of laws in the laws of stealing. <coughs> but here, it's clearly a scenario where wearing is permissible, packaged is taxable. <laughs> Generally speaking, the Kalayim prohibition only kicks in when you're wearing garments to warm yourself. For example, what type of garments? A shirt, and a hat, and pants, and a belt, and a garment, like a dress. And garments that cover one's thighs, like nylons, or something like that. And gloves, but... What about small belts that people make? with their pockets prepared to hold money or spice or similar. So it's not a garment, it's more of a container. Or like a bandage or a band-aid or a shmata, where you put an ointment on a melugba or some kind of band-aid, 
all of these bandage-like, band-aid-like coverings where you put a ointment on it and cover yourself. This is permissible. Of course, it's not called a garment. It's called a band-aid, a bandage. Even though the flesh touches them. This is not about making you warm. It's about protecting from infection or healing. A forehead piece of leather like the high priest wore a forehead piece. A meshi or silk which has woolen threads and linen threads hanging down in front of the face like netting in order to chase away the flies Anything made to chase flies away is not called wearing. He's not warming himself through this. What if somebody's guiding several animals and he takes the guide ropes and he has them in his hand? Some of these ropes are linen and some of them are wool. Is this mixing wool and linen together? It's permissible. Even though, let's face it, he winds it around his hand several times. But if they're all bound together, <coughs> then he winds it around his hand. Nasim claim they become a forbidden mixture. He may not bind it upon his hand. Towels used to clean hands. And towels used to wipe <coughs> dishes or the earth. Various shmatas. Even a Torah cover. <coughs> Book covers. All of the above are forbidden. If they have a mixture of wool and linen. Because the hands touch them, and they're always on the hand, and subconsciously a person will warm themselves with the above materials. Therefore, it's not a good idea. Like laundry marks. The, the launderers, today they use pens or other form of indelible materials. Back then... <coughs> They would sew a piece of material on. The Hagardim Babgodim, and they weave into the garments, that each customer would recognize theirs. If it was wool on a linen garment, a Pishtun or linen on a wool garment, that is also it's forbidden. Even though it's not an important part of the garment, but it is a permanent part of the garment, and it's in the garment. What if a, boy, a person joined a woolen cloth and a linen cloth with one thrust of a needle? That's not considered a connection because there's only one thrust of a needle. And it's not kilayim. For example, you take a piece of woolen material, a piece of linen material, <coughs> you take a needle and put it through the both of them. And then wear that. But, but if you took the two heads of the thread together, so it's already two piercings. Then it is considered because it's two, not one. 
It is permissible to use forbidden fabrics to create shrouds for a corpse. Why? Because corpses don't have to perform mitzvahs. And therefore, there's no reason you can't use forbidden fabrics for a corpse. What about? Can you make a saddle blanket for a donkey to sit on it? No problem. As long as his flesh does not touch it, but his clothing separates. However, be careful, don't put this blanket, saddle blanket on his shoulder, even to take refuse out, because that way he's kind of wearing it. A corpse, and an animal, if they, the corpse or the animal, were wearing a forbidden mixture, can you carry that corpse? Can you carry that animal? It is permissible to carry either the corpse or the animal on his shoulder, even though they are wearing client. I thought this was one of the most fantastic laws I've ever learned. A woolen garment where one thread of linen just disappeared. You ever have something disappear on you? You're looking for it. You're looking for it. Happens to me about three times a day. A beget pishtin shabad bechut shaltzemer, or a linen garment where one thread of wool just disappeared. You have no idea where it is. You were keeping an eye on it. Then, not only can't he use it, not only can't he wear it, not only can't he sell it to a Jew, he can't even sell it to a non-Jew. Why? Perhaps the non-Jew will sell it to a Jew. And it's not obviously Kilayim. Because there's only one lost thread. We learned earlier that even one thread is enough. Furthermore, he shouldn't even make a saddle blanket for a donkey. Why? Perhaps somebody will find that saddle blanket one day. And he will tear it from the saddle. And he'll wear it as a garment. What's the problem here? The problem is when we learned earlier a Jew can manufacture kalayim, manufacture a forbidden mixture. That's because everybody knows it. It says, contains linen, wool, and so on. It's obvious to the eye. But here, it's not obvious to the eye. There's one lost piece of wool or one lost piece of linen. It's not recognizable. So the Rambam asks the question now. So how do you correct this problem? He says very simply, he dies it. What's going to happen when you dye it? Wool and linen don't turn out the same color in the dyeing process. Wool has one nature and linen has another nature. It's going to stick out. Immediately after the dyeing process, it's going to be recognizable. And he can remove it. What if he dyed it and nothing is yelling at him? It's not sticking out. It's permissible. Because we can assume that it did disappear. Because he searched, he looked, he died. We learned earlier in the laws of forbidden intimacy that whenever there is a prohibition of doubts 
in rabbinic law, or the fikach, whenever there's a doubt, it's rabbinic law, the fikach ekila basopic. And therefore, doubts are always taken in a more lenient perspective. Therefore, we can assume it's gone. If somebody sells woolen, if somebody purchases woolen garments from a non-Jew, he has to thoroughly search for sharpness. Perhaps they are sewn with linen thread, which is again quite common. And this law is relevant at present time because the thread and the lining of garments are often made from linen. For this reason, shotness laboratories have been established in most major cities to examine garments to see if they contain linen. So you can Google or Bing your shotness laboratory locally to see where you can have garments tested for shotness. When you go to major Jewish cities like New York, for example, this was one of my childhood delightful experiences. My dad take me, took me to buy a suit. My parents took me to buy a suit in New York. And the, the clerk says, and would you like this checked for shotness? It's like, wow, you know. <laughs> it's like you go to the hardware store in New York and they say, and shall we immerse it in a mikveh for you? Would you like us to tobble this set of dishes? So you know you're in a very uh, heavily observant Jewish community. This is an interesting law. Please do not try this at home. If a person sees biblical kilayim, a biblical mixture, obviously woolen linen, on someone else, and the commentaries say the guy kind of knows about it. It's not like he didn't know about it. Even if that guy is just walking down the street one day, he jumps on him, the kate all of me out and tears it off him. Even if he was his teacher who taught him wisdom. Now that's like not nice. You don't jump on people and tear their coats off. Because the honor that we have to give to other human beings does not supersede a specific biblical prohibition. So therefore, we don't even want to take the time to say, excuse me, I think what you're wearing is shotness, but just rip it off of him. And again, these are very complex laws. I would uh, really learn all the commentaries before you did that. Why do we find human dignity supersedes when it comes to the returning of a lost object, where an older or dignified person does not have to schlep a sheep to return it, we say, it's not for his dignity, because in that case, it is a prohibition of financial matter. Here, it's a prohibition of the prohibited. Why do we say that in the case of being in a place of death, it is superseded because the Torah specifies for the Kohen, he may become impure to his sister, if he can become impure to his sister, then he can become impure to a mace mitzvah, to an indigent person, which is what he's referring to. So the fact that the person is indigent and nobody, has, nobody will bury him, that supersedes the status of him being a Kohen. 
he may not become impure to his married sister, but yes, to a mes mitzvah. But something that is forbidden biblically, uh, rabbinically rather, is superseded because of human dignity. Even though every rabbinic commandment is rooted in the Torah, because the Torah tells us don't turn away from the rabbinic commandments. This particular negative commandment of do not turn away from the rabbinic commandments, is superseded because of the honor of people, of people. Therefore, back to the shatnas, in of shatnas, if the person was wearing rabbinically prohibited shatnas, he doesn't tear it off of him in the marketplace. He doesn't remove it from him in public until he gets home. But if it was a biblical prohibition, he removes it immediately. Again, a lot of commentary here. What if somebody wears this forbidden mixture of wool and linen or covers himself with it under certain circumstances? Like he can receive biblical ashes. If he's wearing climb all day, there's only one set of lashes that can be applied. However, what if he kept removing his head from the garment and putting it back? removing his head, and putting it back, he pulls off the shirt, he puts it on, pulls it off, puts it on. Even though he just took the hood off, for example. He transgresses every time he does that. When would this apply? If they warned him only once, he's only culpable once that day. But if Two witnesses warned him every time and he understood. The Amrulayda said to him, Shape, shape, take it off, you're wearing shotness. Well, Lavishbay, and he's still wearing it. And he kept waiting for enough time to take it off and put it on again. Every time they warned him and he procrastinated, he's culpable each time. For which they warned him, even though he did not take it off. As chavere kliyim, what if somebody dresses someone else in kliyim? If the one who was wearing it did it intentionally, then the wearer is susceptible to lashes. The one who puts it on him transgresses the commandment of don't put a stumbling block in front of a blind man. But if the one who wore it had no idea it was climbing, the one who put it on him did know the one who put it on him can be susceptible for lashes. The one who does it is exempt because he <coughs> did not intentionally do it. <laughs> now, the closing law here is a fascinating law. We have to understand that Kohanim have shotness in their outfit. The Kohen Godel certainly has shotness in his outfit. Kohanim, Shalof Shu Big the Kohen who wears priestly garments, Shalei Bishas if he's wearing his priestly outfit, not during service, let's say he went to play a quick set of tennis in his priestly outfit. Even if he's standing in the Holy Temple, but he's not working, he's just hanging out in the Starbucks in the Holy Temple. You know they had a Starbucks in the Holy Temple. Or maybe commentaries say it was a coffee bean. Lakin, he can get lashes. Because the belt 
of a regular Kayan, Shukalayim is a forbidden mixture, not to mention the high priest. The permissibility of the high priest and the priest to wear garments of climb are only during active duty. She mitzvah say because acting in the priestly duties is a positive mitzvah katzitzis, like tzitzis, just like tzitzis supersedes the prohibition, so does being an active Kohen. But if they are not working at the time, or they're outside of the Beis Hamikdash, under certain circumstances they could be violating this commandment, Brich, Rachamona, Desayan, blessed be Hashem, who has assisted us to complete the entire ten chapters of the laws of Kilayim.